Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. I'm here today with Dr. Heather Henna. Hi, Heather. Hi. (laughs) Dr. Henna. Um, She's here to give us some awesome advice that I cannot lend around parenting multiples. And that's because she's both a qualified practicing pediatrician. She's been in practice for almost four years, so did her residency in medical school training here in Seattle, and takes care of kids in Columbia City area. But she has the added perk of being expert mom to twins who are 16 months old at this point. Yeah. So she's really come through the time of infancy and is in what I would call the soup of toddlerhood, which I think is very (laughs) thick soup and a lot of work. So she's exhausted and is here to lend us advice about twins and really multiples in general and how they sleep. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So first and foremost, people are really nosy. So before we started the podcast, we were chatting a little bit about um, having multiples and the unique overwhelm that really comes when a family or mom mom and partner really find out that they're going to have more than one baby at once. Yeah. So your babies were born not on the same day? Not on the same day. Tell us yeah. about that. After midnight. Samantha joined us. Yeah, wow. It was so funny. I remember being at the UW and, you know, of course, there's like a little bit of stress when you're in the delivery room, a little bit more stress when there's going to be two babies. But then suddenly, (laughs) like, the OB looked at me and she said, if this next baby doesn't come with this contraction, they're going to have different birthdays. That's awesome. I was like, that's great. I'm (laughs) fine with that. And she was like... Okay. It was so funny that that was like an added stressor. But no, we were delighted with it and had even joked about it during the pregnancy. So um, we are pretty excited that they have their own unique birthdays and personalities. And And, and so I think when when we talk even about – I love those little um, stories. And it is unique to have these separate birthdays. The stories around having multiples. People are nosy about how how it happens. Mm -hmm. Do they run in your family? Did you use assisted fertility? What advice would you give to moms who are pregnant um, with multiples about that nosy? and ways to maintain privacy or, or share. Are there yeah. things you've learned along the way? Absolutely. I think that you just need to decide how you feel about it, how comfortable you are sharing your information with other people. There's different people you're going to f- want to share more things with, different groups of people that you might realize, wow, I can tell this person is struggling with, you know, they might have some personal questions for me because they maybe shared some struggles that I shared with around fertility. Yep. I want to talk to them about that. There's strangers on the street that you're like, I don't know you. I don't really want to share my (laughs) personal information with you. Uh, One great quote that I read was people look at you and they say, oh, do multiples run in your family? And I know was the answer before. But now you just say, they do now. Oh, nice. Oddly enough, um, we can say they do now because my husband's brother – which, of course, then is not genetically related. Yes. But within eight months, they had identical twin boys. Well, so our yeah. family has two sets of twins within one year. Yeah. And it's nice to say, like, they do now, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of taking ownership of your own privacy in that point. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk specifically in this podcast about sleep, um, both highlighting some of the new updates on sudden infant death syndrome um, and sudden unexplained infant death guidelines that are out there, which include the new recommendations – this is a big note, of keeping babies in your room until they're a year of age, not co-sleeping, not bed sharing, but really having babies in the same room. And so, you know, Dr. Henna is here to help us in some ways think about what does that mean for parents of two babies born, maybe not on the same day, but at the same time, and what that means from a standpoint of physically where you put the babies and, and how you 
really survive the early times of a newborn. So first and foremost, you know, babies come out really sleepy typically. Now, that can be different in some ways based on age or prematurity, but they'll sleep somewhere between 16 and 20 hours every day for those first couple of weeks. But then after two weeks of age, babies really start to be more alert and start to have lots more awakenings. And day-night reversal is true, Mm -hmm. meaning that some babies come out as if they were born in Japan and they're, you know, they're 12 hours shifted, meaning that when mom was walking around all day, they were sleeping. When mom was sleeping at night, they were wide awake. And so you're kind of dealing with all sorts of these stressors. So let's talk specifically. When you left, you know, um, the hospital and went home with your girls, what did you guys do um, to survive it? The reality of two infants with two individual unique needs and and this kind of crazy upside down day night or what happened for you guys? No, I remember thinking we were going to come home. We had our little co-sleeper in our room. We were all going to get into the bedroom, go to sleep. It was going to be beautiful. (laughs) I could not sleep at all. Any little noise that they made, even though they were mostly asleep, kept me awake. Well, that's true. And parents should always know that snorting, grunting, slothy, like, you know, they make all those crazy noises. And that's really normal newborn sleep noise behavior. Right. Right. And some people, you're right, I think we're just born differently mm-hmm. of does that bug us, wake us, make us nervous, or does it not? Right. And so it, it disrupted you. Absolutely. And yeah. one, I remember in preparation for the, the girls coming home, I had read a bunch of books, a bunch of books about infant sleep, a bunch of books about multiples. One of them said, you need to just put your girls in a room and take turns sleeping in the room with them so mm-hmm. that each parent can get sleep. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. That's crazy. We're going to be <laughs> all together. It's going to be lovely. Within the first week, my husband and I, they were in their nursery, and my husband and I took shifts Uh of sleeping on a cot on Uh the floor in their room. So in some ways, you're actually following the guidelines to Mm -hmm. say you are having your baby sleep in a separate sleep environment from you, so not in a bed with you, but in the same room as you and or an an adult adult or a partner. And so, so, so... I like that as a solution for multiples, Um, particularly we were talking about, like, not everybody has a bedroom that accommodates two full-size cribs plus a bed for two Two adults. adults. Right, right. So that's what we did. Eventually, I kind of, they got a little more quiet as the months went on. We had, you know, been on a few trips and they were in the same room with us just out Mm -hmm. of necessity because of travel. And I got used to it. And so they did come back into our room and Uh I was able to sleep with them kind of at an arm's reach in their co-sleeper. But it it took some time. And it did take that protected shift sleep for each of us as parents, which I think is important to think about. Yeah, so spell that out for us what that means. Yeah, so how did you guys do shift work? And and what did that mean? We knew that come 9 o'clock, the girls typically were going to sleep. And I was exhausted. And so I would go to sleep first. And my husband, you know, is a little bit more of a night owl. So he was like, oh, I'll take that first shift. Uh So he would, you know, do whatever he wanted to do and then eventually go down in the room with them. When they woke up for kind of their first feed, we did um, all of our night feeds together. A lot of families don't do that. But I was breastfeeding. And with them being so small, um, we tandem nursed. I needed an extra set of hands to make that successful and yep. to make it shorter. Yep. So that was kind of our mutual agreement. Okay, we're going to do night feeds together. Yep. He would come get me. We would do a feeding. Yep. And then depending on how long it had been, I would either take the shift or he would take another shift. Typically, I would go in at that point because he was going back to work, right, yep. in these yeah. first few months. Yeah. So I would then try to let him get some sleep in the morning. Yep. Um, and we went from there. Um, it 
I just think it's so important for parents to think about their own sleep needs because yes. we know that exhausted parents, you know, it increases the risk of postpartum depression. It increases the risk of um, falling asleep in a not safe environment with your child. Yeah, and, and that helps me. You know, one of the things that I want to talk about, so this, this shift work really is to the salvation of saying it's not just your baby sleep that matters. Right. It's family sleep that's really preeminently important and thinking how you do that. So we all have different philosophies and, and you know, like when, when our first son was born, we didn't have him in the same room with us after a month or two because like you, I couldn't sleep through the snorts and the gas yeah. and the growth. And I was just a worry wart. Like I, I couldn't sleep because I was just so nervous about it. But then my husband would go and literally like sleep on the floor next to him in the crib and like put his little fingers through the slot of the crib to be there with him. But at the cost really of us not using a shift. Now we didn't have multiples, but mm-hmm. at, the, at the cost of really not kind of sharing sharing that in, in, in play. And, you know, I think with the recommendations around, um, you know, SIDS at this point, what we're saying is we want kids to be exposed to ambient noise and motion, right. not in the same sleeping place. And we don't want parents to get, of course, so tired with middle-of-the-night feedings that they fall asleep on top of or with their baby in a nursing chair, for example. So I like that about the new guidelines, the recommendations to say, if you do nurse your baby in the middle of the night, which you'll be doing, or feeding yeah. your baby in the middle of the night, if, if you're worried at all you're going to fall asleep, make sure you're doing it then in a in a, in a bed that's got no soft bedding, no extra blankets, not in a chair where you could fall asleep and have a really a risk really for a suffocation event. I think it's Important to be realistic. Yep. Nursing moms and nursing babies will fall asleep together. Yep. They will. Yeah. And so to do that in the safest environment possible. Is so yeah, important. and the guidelines are clear not to be doing that in a chair any mm-hmm. longer, but to do that in a bed without any extra bedding or additional adults if you can avoid it. I mean, right. we know that there are different risks for for from a sleep environment, and some of those really have to do with who a child is sharing a surface with. So that I think up to seventy percent of kids who die of SIDS are found in a place either with another child an adult or a pet. So that leads me to say, can we talk a little bit about the bed sharing with twins? Absolutely. So tell us your philosophies on knowing the recommendations and then what moms and dads to multiples tend to do. Yeah. Well, data shows that um, most twins share a sleep surface for the first two months of life. So that's to say they're put in the same crib together. And that can start as early as the nursery, right? Yeah. I mean, so not every nursery, in the newborn nursery in a hospital, right, right, may not actually swaddle up those babies and put them in a separate separate environment. Sometimes they are sharing the same surface, which is, frankly, when you look at the data, it's bad modeling, right? right. But it's, again, they're practical Mm -hmm. solutions that people make. And I think when you think about, okay, I want to have my twins in my room near me, we know that having that co-environment reduces the risk of SIDS by 50%, you start to ask yourself, well, if I can't fit two cribs in this room, should I have them in the same crib together? Australia has looked at this a little bit more practically, and they have made some recommendations for multiple sleeping in the same crib together. Yeah. And so just to clarify, the the American Academy of Pediatrics with reviews of the data suggest if you, and the, and the book we were talking about from the Academy, do you know the name of that book? Yes. Um, there's a book written by a pediatrician, and j- just like Dr. Henna, a pediatrician mom, two multiples who wrote a raising book. Raising twins from pregnancy to preschool. Yeah, raising twins from pregnancy to preschool. So you can look at that book. And her advice in the book really just follows the academy guidelines. It says you got to get two cribs. You put them in the room that you're sleeping in, or two co-sleepers, mm-hmm. and they're not in your bed, and that's that. And she doesn't address it. But we were talking about the practicalities of what families really do. Absolutely. So using the Australian data, what are the tips that they provide that if you are going to put these newborn twins in the same crib, what what are ways that you can reduce 
increased risk. So it's a boring sleep space, just like the recommendation for singletons. You yep. have a firm crib, a mattress, you have a, f- a well-fitting sheet. There's no extra blankets. Each infant has their own like sleep sack or yeah, um, that's swaddler. really important. So they're you're so not they're not, you're not swaddling them together. Right. Nor I mean I mean yeah. however ridiculous that would be. Yeah. But in, and in addition, you're not putting a blanket over both of exactly. them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then that they sleep head to head, so that they yeah. are not in a position where they could. You know, if they do get along to their side, they're not going to be able to block each other's. Yeah, so feet facing outward, heads, um, you know, probably not close, but head mm-hmm. to head and feet on the other ends of the crib, meaning that, you know, in that newborn time period, if those babies are placed on their back in their own right. sleep, you know, swaddler or their own sleep sack in a, ab, you know, a crib that has no bumpers, no pillows, no blankets, no stuffed animals, that their movement is also very unlikely to get them near each other. Right. It's not impossible, though, and, and babies will scoot, which is, I think, why the recommendations are no, no, no. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And and I think another thing to mention, we know SIDS is most prominent between the age of one and four months. So that if you're really a, you know, if you're really nervous family and you really want to reduce risk the most, then I would wait to co-share a sleep space till four months. That being said, to your point, the practicality of that in that newborn early time period. Right. And then the truth is, by the time they're four months old. They're wiggling. Some babies often are rolling. Yep. And our girls were waking each other up. So that's actually when our girls did get. They're separate. They're separate cribs. sleep cribs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, and this is true for triplets and even quads, right? Yeah, I mean, this absolutely. goes. I mean, I think this gets harder and harder as there are more human beings that were born at the same time in a family. And then you're probably not going to fit four babies in one crib. I don't think you're going to fit four babies in one crib, but I don't know. And I've only I've yeah. taken care of them in the NICU when I was training, but I haven't cared for a set of quads out in the community. Yeah. Do I do care for twins? Um, you know, often in clinic. And you and I were talking about just back to kind of close off this podcast, talking again about remembering that I think if I take Dr. Henna's advice and her personal experience from a pediatric, and I wed them with the American Academy of Pediatrics advice around safe sleep, you're thinking about all these decisions <laughs> as a family, that right. your parental sleep and exhaustion, it can be really detrimental to child health. We know, for example, that a baby being shaken, um, it typically happens in, an, in a high crier, a baby who cries a lot and comes from you know paternal or maternal exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So that you really thinking about um, how do we care for these children, it's also caring for yourself. So uh, to summarize, I think, you know, Dr. Hanna advises us, you know, taking shifts and taking care of newborns, feeding at the same time, and we're going to do a whole separate podcast on this, but, you know, at nighttime, making the feeds as short as possible and as efficient as possible. That may demand two partners in the middle of the night. And then, you know, starting out and thinking about the guidelines are that you're sleeping in the same room, but in a separate bed, uh, crib space from your infants. Now, they may be in separate cribs and you may be in a mattress on the floor, or it may be that you've got two cribs or two separate environments, or if you are, you know, incurring the added risk of having them on the same surface, that you're thinking about mitigating risk. Nothing else in there, separate sleep sacks, and head-to-head so that those babies aren't close together. Yeah. Anything else, Dr. Hannah, you can help us with? I think that's kind of the, the highlights for sleep. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so Oh, go ahead. She's going to say one more the thing. This is gold. This is gold. I, I can feel it. I yeah. did want to add is a lot of parents worry, oh, my goodness, two babies. Do I have to have two bedrooms? And my answer would be equivocally no. Yes, as they're older now, yeah. as they're older, oh, my goodness. They, they sleep, sleep through each other's, through each like, other's yeah. cries like you would not believe. Yeah, yeah, We've had yeah. some congested toddlers. Yeah. So a lot of nighttime awakenings and you right. walk in and you're just like, please don't let the other baby be awake. Yeah. And no, they're just passed out. Yeah, and the other yeah, one yeah. is howling. So well, it's no American worries about luxury that. that yes. A lot of babies and kids don't share right. a room. But multiples are no different, it's your point, right? Yeah. That they can do a beautiful job sharing a bedroom thereafter. And yeah. maybe even from the beginning, if that's the solution that a family mm-hmm. has in that shift work that you can do at nighttime. 
Yeah. Um, well, parenting is a really high stakes job. And certainly with multiples, it may even increase that. And um, let me just tell you, I think with Dr. Hannah's help and with these multiples and with some resources that we'll share, you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 